Welcome aboard the National Football Show with your boy, Big Sales Dan Cilio. It's Friday, and we are packed once again. How could you not be packed? It's pro football. It's college football. That's the new American passion. Used to be America's pastime is baseball. Football is America's passion. And we love you joining us here each and every single day, 4 to 6 Eastern time. But we have some special news for you. Now, look, we want to grow this bad puppy here, the National Football Show with Dan Cilio. And you know how we're going to do it. We got to bring the head honcho himself in, Joe Kraus, our guy, our leader. He has got some news for us here on how, get this, this is one of the coolest things you can have too, folks. Anytime that you get gear, I want to show you something. Gear, you see? Big Sills has gear too. Anytime you can win it, Anytime you can be part of it, that's always cool, man. And Joe's got some special stuff for us here as we kick off the National Football Show here on Jacob Media. Now, Big Dan, what a thrill for me to be on the National Football Show uh, with Big Sills. I won't be here often, but uh, thanks for giving me an opportunity to come in and talk about uh, the official uh, 2021 NFL schedule release, as you know, will be on Wednesday night. Uh, we will be live across the Jacob Media channel starting at 8 p.m. So we'll go from 8 p.m. to midnight. Uh, and part of our giveaway that night uh, for all of those Philadelphia Eagle fans here in the Philadelphia area and also around the country, yeah, uh, 10 Devontae Smith jerseys, we'll give them away. Sills, anybody can give away one. Maybe you'll find somebody giving away two. We'll give away ten Devonte Smith jerseys as part of our as part of our schedule release event on Wednesday night. Man, that's a great thing. You're talking about the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, and you know some people have been a little critical of the selection, but you can't be critical of the kid. The one thing that the kid really did a year ago, he solidified himself as the go-to guy on that Bama team. And what you love about him. And what I do love about him is his work ethic. And when you hear all the doubters talking about him, Joe, I, I, I absolutely love the kid. I mean, you know, he was behind Jalen Waddle. What did he do? Jalen Waddle goes down. This kid ends up stepping up. And he may be the one linchpin missing piece here for this Eagle team. And what a great gift for people. And to say something about the schedule, how crazy is it, Joe? On the numbers that we saw for the NFL draft, there were like 12 million people that tuned in just to the broadcast on the NFL network. The streaming was off the charts. 160,000 people showed up at the plaza in Cleveland. I mean, the schedule is like the second biggest thing that the NFL has next to non-games, right? I mean, this is a big thing for fans. Nah, no doubt about it, Dan. And we're coming off, as you know, 45 hours of live NFL draft coverage. We're going to go four hours strong from 8 to midnight. Uh, we're going to pick up and begin our coverage with you, of course, on Wednesday, 4 to 6, on the National Football Show. So you'll get an opportunity uh, to set the stage and set the table, and then we'll get into uh, our broadcast on Wednesday night. And again, 10 Devontae Smith jerseys. We'll give wow. them away throughout the night. Now, Dan, here's the key. You must subscribe uh, to the Jacob Media channel, uh, and then all of our subscribers uh, will be part of the live stream on Wednesday night. should be a lot of fun. 
Should be a lot of fun, Joe. I'm telling you, that schedule, um, I have fans telling me all the time. You know, it's funny. Back in the day when the schedule was released, Joe, I was always like this. Schedule release. But then you start seeing people start to, like, project their parties. Um, You know, going to certain bars. Bars start to set, hey, we got Eagles and Cowboys. We got Eagles and Giants. And you start setting it around that schedule. You think we'll be three and two by here. You think we'll know a little bit more about what Jalen Hurts is all about after week six when he takes on the Washington team. So, I mean, it is going to be a big night in 10 jerseys of Devontae Smith being given away on Wednesday when the schedule is released right here on Jacob Media, our national football show. As Joe said, four to six will kick the baby off, and we can't wait for next week. Thank you very much, Biggin. Dan, follow my lead here in honor of your great conversation with uh, Bruce Arians uh, here across the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Uh, I've put together our first big giveaway for all subscribers of the National Football Show. Now, here are some of the details. They're not finalized yet, but this is what I envision. Uh, And then tell your people to get with my people and we'll figure it all out. Uh, But here's what I'm thinking, Dan. Uh, You're live uh, with the National Football Show at one of two Hooters locations in Tampa. We give one of your viewers who is a subscriber to the Jacob Media channel. We give them game tickets for a Buccaneers game. I'll pick up the tab on lodging in Tampa, and we'll put together an entire broadcast as we get closer to uh, the football season. And that's where the National Football Show with Dan Cilio will begin the 2021 football season. How's that sound, brother? Man, I'll tell you what, I am going to get with my people, and that people's name is the founder of Hooters. His name is Ed Drotsky. His partners, Bob Passwater and Denise Williams. These people have been friends with me for 35 years. And I'll tell you something, Joe, the colors of Hooters, people don't realize. Hooters was a local bar for the Buccaneers. It wasn't a national brand. And Ed ended up selling that, and it became a national brand, but they still kept the Buccaneer colors. And the original Hooters is in Clearwater, Florida, and I still have my lifetime pass. I mean, Joe, it doesn't look like I've missed a few meals, does it? So, (laughs) So, hey, man, that is great news, brother. I really appreciate you really kicking some juice into the National Football Show. Great stuff, Sills. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it, man. You got it, man. So that's really big news here, man. Okay. When the schedule is released next Wednesday, Jacob Media, man, absolutely going to be giving away 10 Devontae Smith jerseys. And we're going to kick the broadcast up and they're going to go all the way to midnight Eastern time. Fantastic, man. We have you covered wall to wall here. Okay. On the National Football Show, on Jacob Media, covering Eagles, covering the National landscape of football, college and pro. Hey, man, what a great way to dive into the 2021 season. Really, next Wednesday, right? Kind of the draft kicked it off, but this kind of like pushes it forward, doesn't it? All right, let's dive into this now. Now, look, I I, I got to tell you, we've been really fortunate. We talked to Bruce Arians and Mike Leach yesterday. Today on the program, the chairman of CBS Sports, Sean McManus, We're lifetime friends. His dad got me involved in broadcasting years ago. His dad, of course, is the legendary Jim McKay. 
you know Jim McKay's legendary voice covering the Olympic Games. You want to know something real quick about Jim McKay, Sean's father. He's a legendary broadcaster. Do you know he never called a Super Bowl, a World Series, an NBA Finals, or an NHL Finals? We know him from Wide World of Sports, spanning the globe to bring you the constant variety of sports. That's what we know, right? And, of course, the Olympic Games. That family has been near and dear to me for over 40 years. And we're going to talk to him about, really, what's changed. Look at me, what I'm doing. I was a radio guy for 27 years, and I'm not going to lie to you. I'm starting to fall in love with this. Radio, I, I, I do a national radio show, too. Uh, the USA Radio Network, okay? I mean, I, I, I do, and I love radio. But I'm starting to fall more in love with this because I think this is the way for the future. Always remember this. You see this right here? I, I stand more in front of my phone on a daily basis and in front of a laptop than I do in front of a radio or television. This is the wave of the future. And so we're going to talk to Sean how the NFL and CBS are going to go forward with that. Because it is the next thing. Look at what look at what the internet has done. And I said this a couple of days ago to the newspaper industry. It's destroyed it. Some papers don't even have Sunday editions any longer. They're just all completely internet now, right? Most newspapers are actually all that. Look what it's done to the radio industry. This is the new thing. Podcasting, streaming. Being able to watch it on your phone when you're eating dinner, you can take it with you, your favorite shows. And we're going to talk to the chairman, the man who makes all the decisions, Masters, Final Four, obviously the SEC, and, of course, the National Football League. Speaking of the SEC, one of the most charismatic coaches in all of college football. Here was a guy that was passed over by USC because he talked like that and he really you know, everything I got to do there. One of the greatest recruiters of all time. He was told he wasn't good enough to be the head coach of USC. Then he gets the LSU job. What does he do? He wins a national championship. Wins a Southeastern Conference title. He beats Bama. Sorry, Krause. And he goes on to a legendary year. Maybe one of the greatest years of all time. And he ends up winning that coveted national title. His name is Ed Ogeron. He's boys with the rock. <laughs> I mean, rock has had like a guy play him on young rock on NBC. We'll get his thoughts on how he feels about that. COVID-19 really wreaked havoc on his football program a year ago. I believe if I'm not mistaken, I think LSU did finish the year five and five. I think they did. And this has come off of all the opt-outs that legendary team with all those guys getting drafted, they still had a boatload of dudes still going to the NFL draft this past weekend. So Ed Ogeron is going to join us also along with Sean McManus. All right, let's transition into so much content, man. There is, I mean, you, you know, I, I, I was asked when, Seals, you're going to do a strict football show. I went like this. What do you want me to do? It's It'd be harder for me to stand on my hands than to do this. Okay, a football show. You're kidding me, right? All right. So the obvious topic all week long has been what? It has been Aaron Rodgers. 
Now I'm gonna I'm gonna make a point to you here. Does Aaron Rodgers have the stomach? Does he have the stomach to be an a-hole? Hey man, this if you won out of Green Bay, you've got to be that tool box. Not just the tool, but you gotta be the box too. You're just not going to walk in and go to Mike Murphy, Mark Murphy, the president of the team, and go like this. Hey, do you think you can possibly uh, trade me to a team that, you know, that would be conducive to me? If you don't want to trade me to an NFC team, can you trade me to an AFC team? I'm sorry, dude. That ain't working for me. And by the way, I've got a little bit of intel, and I've tweeted it out. And I'll tell you how I tweet. So you'll know a little bit how I do it, okay? I threw something out, and every Bronco fan and Packer fan is hounding me right now at Dan Cilio's show. But I'll tell you how I do it. I learned this from Donald Trump, and I'll tell you exactly what I'm talking about here. Um, I know what the asking price is now, and I'll tell you what it is in a second here. Um, he's got to have the stomach for this. If you want to be a, if you really want out, and, and as far as I'm concerned. Green Bay is in a position where the Houston Texans are. Jimmy Johnson told me this about a month and a half ago when we were talking about the Deshaun Watson case and not before all those allegations came up. We were talking about moving the kid. I said, coach, and I asked him this. Coach, if I gave you three number ones for Deshaun Watson, would you take it? He went like this, absolutely not. I'm like, wow, three number ones. You wouldn't take it? No. He goes, you're looking for that guy. You're not just going to give that guy up. That's not going to happen. Okay? You're just not going to give that dude up. And so I was like, God, man, for a guy who was one of the greatest trade head coaches of all time, Jimmy said, no way. No way. So I texted him the other night. I go, Rogers is 37. Is it different? He went, so you're going to trade a guy who had 48 touchdowns and five interceptions and is 26-6 and six over the last two years. And because the quarterbacks don't get hurt, you think he can play another seven years like Brady? And I said this, I do think so. He goes, well, then why would you do that? And I said, I guess I wouldn't. He goes, exactly. If Green Bay trades away, and I'm going to get into, um, you know, Jordan Love here in a second, and I'm going to make a point to you. If the Packers thought that that guy was ready to play, like they thought Aaron Rodgers was ready to play when they had Favre on the team, they would have ran to the telephones. So, again, right now, the Green Bay Packers are in a position right now where they're evaluating everything and listening to certain people. They're not going to listen to any NFC teams. I heard some dumbass, I can't remember the show, say, well, how about the New York Giants? You think the – Green Bay Packers, they don't play them this year on the schedule. But they may play them the following year, how the schedules play out with the computer and all that. You're not going to trade Aaron Rodgers into the NFC. That's not going to happen. You're going to do everything in your power not to have that happen. Okay, you're going to trade him out of that conference. You're surely not going to trade him to any team inside that division. The Packers are... They weren't going to trade Favre to the Minnesota Vikings. Favre got to the Vikings via the Jets. 
So as of right now, Mark Murphy, the president of the Packers, is doing this. Hey, man, this thing better be – like, how about this? This deal that's on the table better blow me away. I heard it's three number ones, and I heard it's three number twos. Would you give that kind of equity up for a 37-year-old guy who's probably got four great years left? And then you have to look at the, the Denver Broncos. The Broncos have offered this up to the Packers. And my sources inside Denver have told me this. There's a couple guys that are in broadcasting also that I've talked to. I know a few people inside uh, the Bronco organization. I don't want to give any names out. But three number ones and three number twos. I rifled that over to Jimmy and I asked him, you know what he said? I don't care. What, I'm not giving that guy up. I'm not, if I'm Matt LaFleur, I would be nuts. Now, here's what I'll say to you about Jordan Love. Okay. How many practices do you think you've seen with that guy over the last year? Jordan Love, the quarterback they moved up to get from Utah State. How many practices? 100? 130? If you ask any NFL or personnel guy a question, like how many how many practices or how many games or how many exhibition games does it take for you to know if this guy can play or not? You know what most people are going to say? Ten, five, ten practices in an exhibition game maybe. I don't need 130 practices to look over at that dude and go like this. That ain't working. That's not it. I think the Green Bay Packers know he can't play. And they've completely whiffed on that pick. Happens. Look at the failures we see in the NFL draft every freaking year, especially at that position. I think the Packers went just like this. Remember the Packs and Lynches that Denver had? And what was that, the other guy they, they, they had in there? Not only the Packs and Lynches, the Brock Osweilers, those stiffs. Organizations go like this, Johnny Manziel, man. That dude ain't working, man. Tim Couch, not working. Right? Brandon Whedon, not working. Now, could some of that be crappy coaching? Ryan Tannehill. Adam Gase is down in Miami with him with Joe Philbin. They ran that guy out of the organization. What does he do? He gets better coaching. He goes up to Mike Vrabel in Tennessee, and what happens? Guy gets a three-year, $29 million a year contract. Because you've got Derrick Henry in the backfield and you've got the proper commodities and assets around him in the right place. You're not asking him to go out and throw 35 passes and 20 completions. You're asking him just to have it third and short, not to have turnovers, and not to get your team in trouble because they have a workhorse. A workhorse? They have a Clydesdale in the backfield. That guy's like a refrigerator with feet. Derrick Henry... That's the best stiff arm I've ever seen, and that includes Walter Payton. I've never seen a guy. The only time I've ever seen something catapulted like that was in Gladiator when I was watching those catapults throw the fire over on the Germania people that were fighting the Roman army. That's the last time I've seen anything like that, dude. Okay, this guy just cat. Dude, ask Josh Norman how it feels. You know that hole in his chest? 
He like ripped, went in, ripped his heart out and said, hey, I'm going to take a bite and how you done, right? <laughs> hey, man, that guy is a beast. But Ryan Tannehill is a perfect, he was a perfect asset for him. If you have a guy that throws the ball 35 times, that's not the guy you want with that guy in the backfield. I'm giving him the ball 25 times a game, 28 times a game. He's like one of the last old school dudes. That kid in Pittsburgh may be another one of them guys. Funny, they come from Bama now, huh? Not a shocker. Not a shocker. Run the ball, great old line. I, you know what I never got about Derrick Henry, too? How did that guy not go in the first round? <sighs> My God almighty. Best back I've seen since Adrian Peterson. It really is, man. He's the best back in a pure power back. But to get back again to going into the you, I think Green Bay knows they went. They must be. They must. How about this? Look, don't you think Green Bay did this? Let's go to the history of the Green Bay Packers here. Don't you think Green Bay did this when Favre was bitching and crying at the end of his career in Green Bay? And he was crying about everything. Don't you think those guys went, Mike McCarthy, Mike Holmgren before he left, and all them guys in the bill, Mark Murphy, they're sitting in there and they're going like this. This kid can play. Aaron Rodgers can play. Hey, by the way, they did it in Kansas City. You had, how about this? You had Ed Ogeron, or excuse me, you had the guy there going like this. Hey, man, that guy can play, okay? Alex Smith's a good football player, but that kid Mahomes, how many times did Andy Reid go like this? That guy can play, man. He a some ball player. He a some ball player, dude. And they made the move, right? They moved off of Alex Smith, and they went to Patrick Mahomes. That's because the Chiefs knew he could play. Same thing in Green Bay. They looked at it and went, hey, man, I think this guy Aaron Rodgers can easily take over for Favre. Okay, let's go to today. I think the Green Bay Packers are doing this. We whiffed. So do you know what you do to make this thing right? You go to Aaron Rodgers and say this if you're Mark Murphy, president of the team, CEO of the team. You go, hey, dude, we'll get rid of the kid. We'll get rid of the kid, okay? We'll just get rid of him. And we'll go and get you Julio Jones down to Atlanta. The Falcons are trying to move him because of money issues down there. I mean, this guy's making a boatload of money. Personally, if I'm Atlanta, I don't know if I move him. Guy's too good a player still. I'm sorry. I, I know he's making – I mean, there's a money thing with the salary. I get it all, but his name is out there. I mean, don't you go like this to him? Hey, man, I'll tell you, we're going to get rid of Jordan Love and we're going to go get you Julio Jones. It's somebody like that. The same thing that they did for Kyler Murray in Arizona. They went out and got him DeAndre Hopkins. That's what you do. You know how you make your quarterbacks feel better? Get them the toys they need. Let them sit in their own playpen. Hey, I need this. Sure. There's no need to have an adversarial relationship in this. But again, this all goes back, in my opinion, this goes back to the Packers having to come to the realization 
that Jordan Love can't play. Now, is it unfair to make that assessment? Yes, because he's not. There's a pandemic a year ago. Um, I've heard Peter King make the comment. People have said that before. I would say this to you. I don't know if that is fair, but the same thing, you know, we have happened up in New England with Bob Kraft, Tom Brady, and Bill Belichick. Brady didn't like Garoppolo being on the team. He moved his ass. And by the way, remember, the Patriots thought Brady was out of gas. Oops, they won a Super Bowl the next year. Green Bay, they thought he was out of gas, Aaron Rodgers. Oops, I made a mistake. It's okay to make mistakes. The key is owning it. That's the issue you have here. The key is truly owning it, okay? So you have to come to the conclusion of that. And I think they're stuck in the middle here on this. All right. When we come back out of the timeout, I want to hit on the 49ers of whether or not they've made the right decision. I'm keeping Jimmy Garoppolo on the team. When you went up to number three, you went up to number three, made that trade with the Dolphins, and took Trey Lance. We'll hit on it next. You keep it right here on the National Football Show. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history. Jody Mack. The legendary sports talker joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mac and Jody Mac across the Jacob Media Network. Got a lot of 
great things working here on the National Football Show here on Jacob Media. Don't forget, next Wednesday when the NFL schedule is released, we're going to be giving away 10 Devontae Smith jerseys all throughout the day. How great is that, dude? Going to be absolutely fantastic. So that's going to be next week when the National Football League schedule is released. All right, let's get into the 49ers here. Um, let me just say this to you, okay? I really love John Lynch. I think John Lynch is, without a doubt, one of the great minds in the National Football League. I think John's football brains, I think John's football gut feeling, I think he understands it. I think he gets it. Um, I, I, I think what he does, more so than a lot of other general managers, he talks more with the kids. He talks more with the guys. And I really do love the fact that he understands, okay, that you've got to get personal relationships with each and every one of the, each and every single one of these players that you potentially draft or you go into free agency. And I think what he does also is I think he gets the general manager's role. I don't think a lot of places get the general manager's role. <clears throat> and to be frank, I don't think the Eagles get the general manager's role. The general manager's role is not to get in the way of the head coach. His decision-making should not be anything anywhere on the page when it comes to what the coach wants. You need to give the coach every opportunity. See, here's where a lot of general managers, and I think Howie Roseman's in this boat. Because you draft a guy, that doesn't necessarily mean you should be part of the development of the guy. You hire coaches for that. You hire coaches for that. Okay? That's why you have head coaches. That's why you have position coaches. General managers need to be an asset for the head coach. What kind of player are you looking for? What kind of mentality are you looking for? Does it matter how tall he is? Is it something that he has to be a player that fits this type of defense, a 4-3, a 34? Do you want to be a spread offense? Okay? That's how you coach and develop. General managers are not supposed to get in the way. General managers are assets. Now, what makes a great general manager is he's got to put his ego away. Howie Roseman can't do that. This guy's handed Doug Peterson last year the players that will be eligible to play on Sunday. And you know what that usually means when you do crap like that? What you're doing is you're going like this. How many incentives does this guy have coming up here in the next three weeks? And if your team's blowing out loud, you know what a GM will do? They'll make that player not active for the rest of the year so the owner can save money. No head coach. So you as a head coach have to go to that player and go, you're not active this week. And that player knows in his contract that if I play 75% of the games and I play 75% of the plays, or I get a thousand yards, or we're first in rushing, then I get a bonus. Do you know what Howie Roseman does? Well, we're not playing very well, so you're not going to be active. You're just not going to be active. You see that train wreck at the end of the year? I mean, when that's a meddling GM. Head coaches 
are usually like we had Kevin Colbert on. You think Kevin Colbert gets in the way of Mike Tomlin during the year? Let me tell you, Mike Tom, I'll, I'll tell you exactly how the Steelers work compared to the dumbass Eagles. Ready? I can do interviews with Kevin Colbert throughout the entire offseason. When the regular season comes, you'll never see Kevin Colbert do an interview ever because he doesn't want to be in the way of the head coach. That is a parameter that the Steelers have set up inside their organization. You're never going to hear Kevin Colbert in any way ever talking during the regular season. He talks in the offseason. That's his time to build the team and help Mike find players. Howie Roseman does interviews. He's on Sirius XM. He's sitting around doing the local stuff. Hey, look at me. I'm this. I'm Tarzan. I'm... You're not part of Sunday's guy. Because you pick the players, that's your job. Stop pretending you're a coach. You're not. You're not an evaluator. Because you can look at it. Here's where you get in trouble. You see a college kid. You think he's the best. Then you figure out why this kid can't make it. Must be the coaching. That's what Howie did. He blamed Howie. He, Howie Roseman blamed Doug because the team didn't develop. Bro. No, they were the sorry-ass players you had, and you got old. I disagree with Jody Mack. I was on the other day with the dudes. I'm sorry, man. They don't have enough in the O-line and D-line. They're old. And they're hurt. I don't think those O and D lines are good. I think they're solid. Solid in the NFL, 8-8, eight 7-9. Eight, That's solid. It's not going to cut it. So, I mean, <laughs> getting involved in personnel decisions. Man, when general managers are kind con- hey, I'm going to show you something. Let me, let, me, let me, let's go around the NFL for a second here. Let's take a look at the meddling GMs for a minute, okay? Jerry Jones, how's that played out for the last 27 years? Mediocre. Philadelphia, very mediocre. And some would go like this. And look, look at this. Watch this. I had to do it with an asterisk of a Super Bowl in there. But, hey, man, look at what he's done since that thing. Here, let's look around the room here with teams that got all the say when it comes to the personnel. And not – the head coach having complete say. Watch this. Pete Carroll, complete say in, in Seattle. Well, it seems pretty good every year. Okay? Pretty good every year. New England. No, Bill Belichick, I'm assuming, has pretty much total autonomy in that room. You think Sean Payton has total autonomy in New Orleans? I'm thinking that's a yes. Okay? I'm thinking that's a yes. I think Sean McVay. Sean McVay. Do you realize what Sean McVay had to do? Sean McVay had to make a tough decision. They just gave that dude, Jared Goff, all that money. He had to go to Stan Kroenke, the owner of the Rams, and go like this. I want this guy out of here. He can't win. It's his ceiling. That's who he is. We need a better thrower of the football. They went and got Matthew Stafford, and they ate a bag of turds when it came to the salary cap on how much money the golf hit was to that cap. Holy cow, man. They got to prorate that. Do you know how much dead money the Rams have on two crappy moves? The Todd Gurley move and the Jared Goff move. Financially, they got more dead money than any team I would think in the league, man. Look at that. Look at the money. 
Gurley went to Atlanta, and they were still paying some of the salary for him. And they still owe him $25 million. <laughs> General managers, man, that get in the way. Jimmy Johnson, man, nobody got in his way, even Jerry Jones. Nobody. All the really great teams, the head coach is the head chief in charge. Mike Tomlin is in charge. Now, Kevin Colbert can fire Mike Tomlin at any time at the behest of the Roonies. But that's not how they operate there. Any GM, when you see ownership in the front office have more power than the head coach, it's a remedy for disaster. You're not helping. You think Chris Ballard, okay, I'm going to tell you, Chris Ballard in Indianapolis, Chris Ballard's a great GM. You don't see his face everywhere. He's working with Frank Reich. That's why that team, personally, I think Carson Wentz is going to have a great year in India. I'll tell you why. We'll do that a little bit later on, but I think Carson Wentz is going to have a great year. You know why? He's around people that believe in him. He's got a coach that won with him. He knows the organization made an investment in him. He's got a great old line. It's a great old line. He's got a stout defense on the other side of the football. They got playmakers. Don't be shocked if Carson Wentz pulls an Andy Reid on you in Philly. Oh, you want to fire me? I'm just going to win a Super Bowl Kansas City. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? Wentz and Reed win Super Bowls. Then you look at your GM and go, okay, you did what now? Ah. All right. Speaking of that, with we were it's getting back to Jimmy G here. What's the value of that dude? I really do believe that the 49ers struggled. They struggled. With making that decision, do we move off him before the draft? Do we keep him on the team? What's the asking price? I personally think the asking price was a first rounder. And it made it easier on them to give them more time. Now watch this. I know numerous teams that called San Francisco and said, we'll give you a two for him. We'll give you a two and a four. I heard a couple of those. And San Francisco didn't want to budge because you know why? No matter who they draft after Trevor Lawrence, you're not going to have a better quarterback take over your football team in 2021 than Jimmy Garoppolo when healthy. And I really do believe that they were in that position where they went like this. What if we keep the guy on the team? He's not that gigantic of a cap hit to us, and we're going to have a rookie quarterback on the team. So basically what we're going to be in the position of is around $38 million worth of quarterback. Well, if you have a big-time quarterback like Aaron Rodgers on your team, that's pretty much the price tag, right? So you got really the price tag two-for-one here because Garoppolo's not really making all that gigantic money here. Follow me here. So that first-round value that they put on him gave them the autonomy to go, let's just keep both of them. And I'll tell you why that's a good thing. If I was a general manager in today's NFL – I would draft a quarterback in every draft I had. You never know when you find Brady in the sixth round. You never know when you find Kirk Cousins in the fourth round. You never know when you find Joe Montana in the third round. You just never know when you find that guy or you sign somebody like Tony Romo, who's a free agent. You, you just never know. And what is the number one asset? Remember that guy, Christian Hackenberg, who ended up commanding a high draft choice because he ended up getting dealt? I mean, there's people – 
Look at that quarterback position, and it's always overvalued. So having two guys worth value on your team, say Jimmy Garoppolo does this. He goes and wins a Super Bowl. Okay, then guess what? Garoppolo kept him on the bench. Trevor, uh, Trey Lance's value went up. Nobody knows what he can do. He was a first-rounder. I'll give you a first-rounder for him. Okay. Is that a bad thing? As long as it doesn't crush you salary cap-wise. As long as it doesn't kill you salary cap-wise. Now, here is the downside to having Garoppolo on that 49er team. Okay, of course, the ultimate disaster is the Drew Brees disaster. This guy ends up getting injured, and you have no value whatsoever. Okay? You have no value whatsoever. And then before you know it, you're in the San Diego. That's when the Chargers had Breeze. And you're sitting there doing this. Holy criminy, man. We have no value whatsoever with that guy. It's a gamble. What are you moving? See, I'm going to gamble this way with him. I'm, I'm, I'm not... I'm not going to I'm not going to trade him before the start of the regular season. I'm going to play my cards out with him. And if he gets hurt, this is why we drafted the kid. Get him a chance to get in there. Everybody won't blame the organization. Ah, Garoppolo got hurt. They tried to keep both guys. That's I think that's the smarter plan for the 49ers is to go down that route. I'm, I'm telling you, though, it's a gamble because a second-round draft choice – and by the way, if I'm the 49ers, dude, don't try to win the – don't try to win the trade with the Patriots twice. You've already won it. You got to a Super Bowl with the guy. You only had to surrender a second-rounder for him. You know, you've won the deal for him. Okay, yeah, okay, he's been banged up, but he's 22-8 and eight as a starter for you. It's not like you lost. You're never going to lose this deal. Even if you trade him away for a lesser guy, you really won the deal. So, I mean, that is – they really had to put the thinking caps on for this one. They really did. They had, they had, to, they had to figure out – what the big what what the big downside was to this and i think they figured it out that they're just going to roll and you know what too ownership has to sign off on it okay ownership has to go like this okay i'm going to stroke you a check for 28 million dollars for jimmy garoppolo and then we're going to do the rookie deal for this guy and we're going to have around 38 million dollars worth of quarterback on our football team. And if we had a guy like Aaron Rodgers, like I said, or one of these big guys like Deshaun Watson on our team, that's roughly the price. You're getting two for one, and you get potentially the ability to be able to move the asset. And maybe, and how about this? If Garoppolo is playing well, and you feel comfortable moving him out and doing what Jim Harbaugh did years ago with Colin Kaepernick and moving him in, who's to say you couldn't during the season end up getting a first-round draft choice for the upcoming draft for Jimmy Garoppolo? 49ers, I don't think, are in a bad place, okay? I, I, I don't think that they're in a bad place for this here. I, 
I, I really don't. All right, let's let's transition into this. You know, with with all this being said, and all the things that are going on with Aaron Rodgers, what's happened to Deshaun Watson? He's the outlier here. That thing has gone quiet, hasn't it? And I'm not talking about Deshaun or the organization. This is what I'm hearing. I'm hearing their settlements being done and worked on right now with some of these civil accusations that are going against Deshaun. You notice that the attorney is no longer saying anything. You notice that Rusty Harden, the attorney that was hired by Deshaun Watson, hasn't come out any longer. There hasn't been public accusations in any way. You haven't heard the Houston police. You haven't heard the Houston district attorney. And more importantly, and this goes down, and it's more importantly than anything else, you haven't heard the commissioner come out and put Deshaun, as of today, okay, May 7th, as of today, you haven't heard him put him on the commissioner's exempt list. The more this plays out like that, the more we're in line to believe that settlements are being constructed now. Now, will there be a behavior issue that Deshaun is going to have to talk with the NFL? I don't know. But there's clearly been conversation going on between the Players Association and D. Smith, the commissioner of the National Football League, Roger Goodell, the agent, the attorney, the accusers, attorney, Russ. Uh, not Rusty Harden, but Rusty Harden is the guy representing Deshaun. And all of that, that's gone back and forth. It's gone quiet. You haven't heard the Texans saying anything about teams calling. Because you know why? I would Here, the NFL is always concerned about the shield, especially when it comes to women. I've said this before. The NFL has really dropped the ball when it comes to how they handle the women fan base. You know, my wife doesn't watch as much football. She used to produce my show for 20 years. She doesn't watch as much football as she used to because she doesn't like some of the public images that the National Football League has had when it comes to, remember that thing, uh, no more, after the whole Ray Rice scenario? Well, guess what? That stuff was just a hill of beans, man. It, it was just like pub. It, it was the NFL doing what they did with Colin Kaepernick this last summer when it came to social justice, they painted a face for the public image. You know, they don't mean that. Do you think the National Football League really cares about Colin Kaepernick's political stances and him being a social justice warrior? Do you really believe that? Well, then how come no team called him for a workout? How come no team hired him? How come no team really was serious about even signing him? Or here's, here's one better for you. How come no team, after you saw Tim Tebow potentially getting a workout after five years away from the game, how come he didn't get a chance? How come Colin Kaepernick didn't get a chance? Because you know what? The NFL didn't mean it. They gave him $20 million to go away. That's how the NFL works. So don't, don't tell me that, okay, well, the NFL cared about Drew Brees. Drew Brees, again, after that whole thing being called a racist a year ago because he didn't want to take a knee for the flag. NFL jumped right down Breeze's throat, but guess what happened? They never did anything with Colin Kaepernick, okay? They do what they want to do because they're all about protecting the shield. 
So that's what they're doing here. They're protecting the shield. And you know how they're protecting the shield? By not doing anything. So NFL. They're just not doing anything. And Deshaun sits in limbo. If I were a team like the Miami Dolphins and I can't get Aaron Rodgers, I would be working a dual track potential deal. And, and no disrespect to Tua Tagovailoa. No disrespect. But I'm sorry, Deshaun's better than you. And he's still got more upside than you. You're not him. You're not. And you're never going to be him. Okay, that's a guy you look at and you go like this. Can he get better? Yeah, okay. But he's not that guy. There's a reason he makes $42 million a year. Or he's one of the top. I think he's second in the NFL in salary. Okay, <laughs> there's a reason. I mean, when I look at Tua, do I go like this? Well, Marcus Mariota, I don't know. I see the same guy. I would be privately calling the Texans and wanting to know if the Texans wanted to get out from this. I don't want to call it a nightmare, but I'll call it this. Unpleasant public relations scenario. Okay? It's clearly if the McNair family has to be looking at it like this. Well, if we move on from them and we send them to Miami, they could send us to a back and we can send them and get all those draft choices that they have piled up there in Miami. Miami to me has the assets to get Deshaun Watson. You have Tua Tagovailoa and you have draft choices and you could bring Tua to the Houston Texans and send Deshaun down to Miami where he really wants to play. He wants to play somewhere in the South. There was speculation that maybe Carolina would be that team. But I still think the Dolphins are still trying to work that deal. All right. Who do you think is going to have the better ending to their second part of their career? Jared Goff or Matthew Stafford? We'll hit on that and keep it right here on the National Football Show. Welcome to the Wildwoods. The perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. 
The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history. Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Welcome back here. Dan Cilio and man, do we have a power pack lineup coming up here over the next couple minutes here. We're going to have the chairman of CBS Sports on with uh, Sean McManus, and we'll ask him about, without a doubt, all the things that are just happening when it comes to social media-wise in the National Football League, and we'll get his thoughts on streaming. And all the things that Amazon is going to start doing also in 2022, Thursday Night Football, get this, folks, is going to be exclusively on Amazon. So, I mean, how does that play in the CBS's broadcast? Their number one product that they have for putting uh, content on CBS is the NFL football along with Southeastern Conference football. So we'll talk to our friend Sean McManus. That'll be at the top of the hour, a little bit past that. We'll talk to Ed Ogeron, the head football coach of LSU. All right. I teased this going in to this segment here because these were two of the biggest moves that we saw when it came to the quarterback position when teams were looking to upgrade, they felt, um, their quarterback position. Jared Goff ends up going with Coach Campbell to Detroit. And Matthew Stafford is sent to the Los Angeles Rams and Sean McVay. Who's going to have the second best part of their career between these two guys? Who's going to maybe show people the same way Ryan Tannehill did? Okay? He got a second opportunity. We may see that down in Carolina with Sam Sam Darnold. We may see that down there with him, right? Sam Darnold may actually go down there with Matt Rule, and he may actually get better coaching like we saw up with Mike Vrabel and Ryan Tannehill, and that whole thing may just play itself out where, get this, all of a sudden you're writing checks now for Ryan Tannehill for $30 million a year because you look at him and you go, he's our type of guy because we got a running back in the backfield and Derrick Henry, we're good with him. It's funny, Tennessee's got a good football team, right? You never hear them in the mix. For a quarterback, they feel comfortable with Ryan Tannehill. They obviously think they can win with him. Got to an AFC championship game. They've gone to the playoffs. They're a good football team. I think they're going to struggle a little bit on defense this coming 2021 season, but they feel pretty good with their quarterback. So let's get to Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford. I'll start with Stafford. I do think that the checkbook matters here. And I do think that the incompetence that the Lions are 
has shown its head for 30 some odd years. I mean, I can't remember in my lifetime, like the Lions outside of a few years, you know, with Wayne Fonts, that they were really ever good. I mean, not even the Barry Sanders years made you really go like this. Wow, that's great. Who ends up having the better second part of their career? It's going to be Stafford, I think, because he's going to get the better coaching. Now, look, Dan Campbell may turn out to be, you know, the kneecap guy. He may turn out to be a great, great addition. You know, I know Rick Spielman had a say in the hiring. He may have an influence on Jared Goff, and they went out and got Panay Sewell, the kid from Oregon. You know, they protected him. They showed him that they want to make an investment in him. What did they do? They went and got an old lineman. Okay. Really cool. But I just think that Sean McVay is a hell of a coach. I mean, look at his record since he's been the head coach of the Rams. You know, they haven't been all that hot, but they haven't been all that bad. And when they spent that open checkbook, when they were signing all them players and they were signing golf, they were signing Gurley, they were signing the receiver, they were giving Aaron Donald the money, they made that gigantic move for Jalen Ramsey. I can't remember the next time the Rams will have a first-round draft choice. Jalen Ramsey, one of the best lockdown corners. They got him from Jacksonville, cost him a king's ransom. They're not afraid to make moves there because they're about winning today. They're not about winning tomorrow, and they don't care what happened yesterday. I think that franchise is in good hands with Sean McVay. I've known Sean since he was 15 years old, and I think he's going to have such a massive influence on Matthew Stafford that Matthew Stafford may end up in Canton. Stafford, if you look at his numbers, in Detroit, he has without a doubt put up some legendary numbers. You know the one thing he never had in Detroit was a running game. I can't remember the last time the Lions had a 1,000-yard rusher. I have to think that the last time they had a 1,000-yard rusher was Reggie Bush. But they're going to put a running game around Matthew Stafford. If You have to have a running game for these big-time quarterbacks. What won the Super Bowl for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was the fact that they played great defense in the playoffs, and all of a sudden Leonard Fournette became playoff Fournette, right? And Brady wasn't all that spectacular in that Super Bowl, especially in the second half. Brady just didn't turn the ball over. They threw the ball into the intermediate passing game with Leonard Fournette. He ran the ball well. They put up some really good yards against the Kansas City Chiefs. And their defense, the Buccaneers, they ran Patrick Mahomes around Raymond James the entire Super Bowl. That's how they won that game. They kept it out of Mahomes' hands by running the ball. That's what Stafford is going to be afforded while he's in Los Angeles with the Rams. The Rams are going to do everything they can to build that team. And I happen to think he is one of the most underrated players. I like him a lot. And I love the fact in how he left Detroit too, man. He – he let those fans know, I'm sorry I didn't get it done for you, man. We we tried our hardest. He played hurt. He played with his guts, and I really like him. Jared Goff, I, I, I have never really been a fan of his since he came out of Cal. Never been a fan. Never been a fan. And get this, he's won an NFC championship. He's gone to a Super Bowl. He's had more success than Dak Prescott. He's got a winning record since, you know, Sean McVay showed up in Los Angeles. It wasn't like he was – but he just was so spotty and sporadic in how he played the game. And I think it turned out to be very frustrating 
for him. And it became frustrating for Sean. You saw some of the times on the sidelines that all of a sudden you would watch Jared Goff throw the football and you would just do this, man, this guy can throw it. And then two series later, you're in a position and you're starting to do this. Hey man, this guy here is just too inconsistent. He is just too inconsistent with the football team. And so I think Les Snead and I think Kevin Demoff and those guys came to the conclusion that they decided flat out that he was just not going to be the guy that was going to carry the Rams to a Super Bowl again. And Sean McVay, with the front office and the front office helping him, I think they ended up um, moving on and making that decision. I think actually that decision was being made while they were still in the playoffs. And so to me, that whole thing there, make no mistake about it, man. I, I personally think Matthew Stafford is going to be a guy that is going to absolutely, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to have great success there. And I think that Matthew Stafford has got to be a guy um, that is going to be reckoned with. And I think the Rams are clearly going to be a football team that's going to play it out here for potentially an NFC championship spot. If Matthew Stafford can and, and Sean McVay can put that offense together and have them guys all hitting on the same sequence here, I think this thing's going to be spectacular there in Los Angeles. So I got Matthew Stafford ending up pulling ahead here. Okay. Here's the deal here with hot seat coaches here. I don't really like to throw that out. Okay. And by the way, we're efforting our friend Sean McManus, the chairman of CBS Sports. So if we pause, just letting you know, we may pause here in a second and we'll pick it up after that. Um, let me throw this at you here. Hot seat. What does that actually mean when it comes to coaching? I think hot seat means when you've had success in the past and expectations are hot for you. You know, I look at John Gruden here. He's 19 and 29 with the Raiders. Okay, he's 19 and 29. And has the team gotten better? Inches. The personnel decisions have not been that good. They have frustrated people in their free agent signings. That whole Antonio Brown mess was a mess. It was a colossal disaster. And John hasn't delivered with the Raiders. Now, you know, he's got a 10-year, $10 million contract. And make no mistake about it, that 10-year, $10 million contract um, gives him the autonomy to sit there and, um, you know, have that leverage against Mark Davis. But let's, get, let's, let's be candid here now. You know, John hasn't delivered a winning football team and being 8-8 eight and eight, with the amount of money that that head football coach is making just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. All right, we're going to take a quick time out here. Hopefully, we're going to effort our friend Sean McManus. You keep it right here on the National Football Show. Welcome to the Wildwoods. 
the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history. Jody Mack. The legendary sports talker joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. National Football Show at Ed Ogeron. Head coach at LSU is right around the corner. We're efforting our friend, the chairman of CBS Sports, Sean McManus. Hopefully, we'll be able to connect with him. No, he's a busy dude, man. Coming out of the NFL draft and getting ready for, you know, the upcoming football season. Always, always a very busy time for him. So hopefully we can catch up with him and get his thoughts on Many things that are going on broadcasting-wise in the NFL, but we're going to talk to one of our great friends that'll be at Ogeron. I was talking about hot seat coaches and what that really means. Okay, when you have high expectations and you're making a gigantic money and John Gruden hasn't delivered, there's two dudes that I'm going to be looking at in the 2021 season that I'm going to be expecting to have really, in my opinion, expecting a great year out of. And it is John Gruden. I mean, when, 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 John? And here, know this. I think John Gruden's one of the worst personnel decision makers in NFL history. He sucked completely out loud when he was in Oakland the first time around. And you had Al Davis in the room. One of the reasons why it was a little bit more successful the first time around and how he ended up getting the Buccaneer job was because Al Davis, guys like Ken Herrick, and all those personnel director guys were in that room. And you know what? 
Those guys helped John put people in the room. But you know what John ended up trying to do? John ended up still trying to have influence on the draft. And that was the reason why there was a breakup between Al Davis and him. I was there for it. I was on the broadcast team. I worked the pre- and post-game show for the Raiders. I was personally hired by Al Davis to handle the broadcast. And I would personally just absolutely responsible for it. So know this. You're 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 John Gruden, and you've drafted guys like Ricky Dudley and some of these other bums that you've drafted. The only guy you've ever drafted in your career uh, that I can really think of that was anybody is nobody. I mean, Cadillac Williams, when you were in Tampa, really drafted nobody. John Gruden's not a personnel guy. He needs to have personnel people around him to make it happen. So I'm looking for John to have a big year. The other guy, you're going to be stunned when I say this. Sean Payton. Okay, so Sean Payton now is going to go in. And you know what you find out? Let me tell you this. And, and it, it's kind of not fair because NFL head coaches are tied to the quarterbacks that are in their organization, right? Rex Ryan had a bunch of turds up in New York when he was there. He never really had an opportunity to have a big-time star quarterback in any way whatsoever, right? Never had a chance to have a big-time star quarterback. And some of these coaches that go into the NFL, you never truly have a chance to get that guy. Well, Sean Payton now has Tyson Hill and he has Jameis Winston, the kind of the guy that was thrown away from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because this guy was a 30 for 30. And I'm not talking about those ESPN movies. This guy was 30 touchdowns and 30 picks. This guy is a turnover machine. Something that Sean Payton completely hates is turnover guys. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really be interested to see if Sean Payton is going to be able. Now, the job that he did with Teddy Bridgewater was fantastic. Bridgewater went in when Breeze was injured, and he, I think he was 5-0 and in 19. I think that was the year that uh, Teddy ended up doing that. And that's how Teddy ended up getting that contract in 2020 with the Carolina Panthers. They realized, though, in Carolina that Teddy Bridgewater couldn't push the ball down the field, and that's why they jettisoned him, and that's why they sent him um, – Packing is because he could not move the ball down the field. I actually like Teddy Bridgewater. I'm okay with Teddy. Okay, I'm 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 good with him. I think he's a good player. I just don't think he's an elite guy. But I'm going to be very interested to see how Sean Payton makes that transition from going from a guy like Drew Brees to a guy like either Jameis Winston or Tyson Hill. And folks, for the record. I don't think Tyson Hill's anything. I think he's a gadget dude. I think he is just a blown up version, in my opinion, of Tim Tebow, with just with a better arm. I don't really think that he's anybody in the conversation here where you're going to build your football team around. And now Sean Payton, in my opinion, is going to be in the open market looking for a quarterback. He's got to. How are you going to make that transition? Because let me tell you, I think coaches' legacies are on the line. Aren't we going to be looking at how Bill Belichick makes that transition from Tom Brady? Because let's go back in Bill Belichick's history here. How was Bill Belichick as the head coach of the Cleveland Browns? Bill Belichick in Cleveland 
when he had to make the decision from Bernie Kosar to Vinny Testaverde, what happened? Okay, that whole thing imploded. Vinny wasn't the guy. Everybody in the building was pissed off because he had made that decision going from the hometown kid to Vinny Testaverde. Everybody still thought that Bernie could play. And Bernie ends up winning a Super Bowl with the Dallas Cowboys a couple of years later. And he actually wins a playoff game with the Cowboys when Aikman was injured. So Belichick's track record of handling quarterbacks, not nearly the best. Not nearly the best. So we're going to be watching this. How does he do now with Mac Jones from Alabama? How is Cam going to play this year? Okay. And we're going to be watching that transition. Hey, you can go down the line of any quarterback and coach relationship, or you could go back in any coach's legacy. And look, look at, look how Don Shula did it. Now, look, I'm going to give you, this is like a history lesson, and I don't want anybody to fall asleep on me because I'm going back in time here a little bit. I get that we like to talk about the now, but I'm just trying to make a point to you on why Don Shula was such a great coach. And I'm even making that, going to make the same comment about a guy like John Harbaugh on how John Harbaugh changed and switched from one style to another. These guys evolved. Look at what Dan Marino did for Don Shula. But Don Shula, that wasn't the way Don Shula won football games. you got to remember, Don Shula lost Super Bowl three, right? He had Johnny Unitas. He had Earl Morrill. He had one of the best passing attacks in the history of the NFL during that time when he was the coach of the Colts, okay? What does he do? He takes that fundamental and he goes to the Miami Dolphins. What do they do there? They throw the ball about 12 times a game. They run the ball with Zonka Kick and Mercury Morris. Okay? They weren't a passing team. That's a team that went undefeated, won three straight AFC titles. One of those teams was undefeated and they won two straight Super Bowls. What does Don Shula do? Years removed. He goes further up. He finds this guy, Dan Marino, in the latter round. What does he do? He evolves. He starts throwing the ball 38 times a game. That's how a coach keeps his job and wins over 300 games. Is because you evolve with the personnel around you. You know, Bobby Ross taught me this a long time. He taught me this a long time. Coaches that have the square peg and try to jam it in the round hole because you think you have a system. It's going to get you fired. When you go to a place, okay, and you and you get there, man, make no mistake about it, man. Make no mistake about it. Um, okay? I just I, – I, you have to evolve. You have to evolve here, man. Make no mistake about it here, okay? And that's clearly how these coaches today have to look at the personnel they have. I just was making a reference to, um, you know, a guy like John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh, man, went from a guy like Joe Flacco, and then he ended up uh, going into a guy like Lamar Jackson. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, unbelievable how that coach went from one style to another style, and that's how you keep your job. You get the personnel to fit your style of play, but that style of play may end up changing, 
And what you do then is you bring in new coaches, you bring in new people, you bring in people to teach what the type of personnel that you have on that football team. Make no mistake about it, man. Those are the coaches, like I say, that end up really being successful here. And I love John Harbaugh. We talked about him yesterday, and we just, without a doubt, okay, love what is going on there in Baltimore. All right, we're going to take a quick timeout. You keep it here on the National Football Show. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history. Jody Mack. The legendary sports talker joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mac and Jody Mac across the Jacob Media Network. Welcome back. Dan Cilio here on the National Football Show. And as advertised, hey, by the way, the chairman of CBS Sports just got bumped by Coach O. So he goes, wait a minute, wait a minute now. Coach O won a national championship a couple years ago. So if I'm going to get bumped for anybody, I'm going to go for Coach O. Coach O joins us now here on the National Football Show. How you doing, Coach? Dan, good to talk to one of all-time Miami greats, man. Love you. I love you so much. Coach, how's the offseason been for you? Been great, man. You know, I hired some tremendous coaches. You like this. Think about this. Andre Cordell, defensive line coach, is the son of former Miami great Ruben Cordell. A little lineage, lineage for you there. And then Andre Cordell obviously was a great player in college and then had 80 and a half sacks 
in the NFL. Our players love him. Him and Durante Jones and all of our new coaches on defense are doing a tremendous job. Man, Reuben Carter, one of the absolutely greatest names in the history of the University of Miami. I am a gigantic fan of his as well, Coach. Coach, I, let me get into the challenges of last year for you. I mean, it had to have been one of the biggest challenges of your coaching career. You have guys opting out. Yeah. You have COVID-19. You have players contacting you constantly and their families about whether or not the protocols are safe. Yeah. Is it safe to play? How challenging was it for you a year ago? It was very challenging. It hit us all. It was a shock. You know, we, we didn't know what COVID was going to bring, how long we were going to be out. Uh, but you know what? If, if you put it in perspective and put the safety of our players first, it made it easy. So I just followed what uh, the protocol that the university told me. And uh, that made it a lot easier for us. But I will say this to you. The biggest challenge for me was not having my players there, not working out, not going through uh, spring ball, not going through summer training, and then not having our coaches there to be able to prepare for the season. Coach, the impact that it had, you think, on the Southeastern Conference in general. I mean, here, you know one thing I give you guys so much credit for? I mean, I'll, I, and, and I'm not going to throw shade, Coach, on the other conferences and what they did protocol-wise or what the politics were of it. I thought the SEC bulldogging ahead and making it happen for all of these kids. I think that that was so important for all these kids to be able to play. And I think you guys did such a great job at really making it happen. You had to really feel pretty good the way the conference handled it. I really did. I was really proud of Commissioner Sankey, the way he handled himself the whole time and navigated us through the whole deal, which was tough. And you had to be really careful how you went about things. You couldn't be too aggressive. Had to be at the right time. But if definitely in our mind, if it was safe enough for our players to play, we were going to play. Coach, how about the effect on you personally? I mean, <laughs> did it have any effect on you, or are you just one of them guys? Um, I know you, man. You're just going to put your chin down and go, let's go play 60. I don't care where it is. I mean, did it have an effect on you, though? You know, you know it was kind of crazy, Dan. I was, sometimes I was the only one in the office. I was, it seemed like I was the only one at campus. I'd stay in my car. I didn't want to go home. I'd stay, I'd stay at my office till 12 o'clock at night. It was kind of eerie, to be honest with you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Here. All right, Coach, what kind of team you got in 2021 coming back? I mean, look, I love the way you guys – and, you know, for a coach to see his players and his team, the way you guys played at the end of the 2020 season, I loved how you guys were like this. You guys are underwater record-wise, but you guys went like this. No way, man. We're not ending yeah. like that. You guys play – that has to carry over to 2021. No question. You know, in the night before the Florida game, we made a decision we were going to win that game. And we were starting with freshman quarterback, Max Johnson, because you, you know his daddy well, Brad Johnson. And what a tre tremendous game he played and the team played and our defense uh, forced some turnovers, a total team win, and then beat a good Ole Miss team at the end. And then to have the number three recruiting class in the country. So we feel like we finished strong. We have some momentum. The biggest thing that happened for us, Dan, that because of COVID, our whole offensive line and our whole defensive line are coming back. That gives great. us a whole lot of experience. You know, Coach, you know, for you in recruiting and bringing the guys in and coming off that year that you had where you guys win the national championship, and then all of a sudden, Coach, I couldn't believe it. I'm starting to hear guys, well, you know, 
Ogeron's a one-year wonder, and I'm going like, wait a minute, it was four months ago. The guy just wins the national championship. What the hell are you guys talking about? This guy's been the greatest recruiter in the country and maybe in the history of college football. And four months in, you're like, well, I don't know. Is that just a job, Coach? You know what? I, I use that as internal motivation. I thank those people. You know, I thought I, I didn't do well at Ole Miss. Obviously, I bombed. You know, and they said he'll never be a head coach again. I use it as internal motivation. I win a national championship. They'll say he'll never do it again. I use it as internal motivation. You know what, Dan, you know this. And listen, I respect football, respect the fans and all that. But really, when we get inside that meeting room, I tell our team we control our own destiny. We have our own mindset to block out the noise and get to work. Absolutely, Coach. You know, I was – and I know it's a Southeastern Conference too, Coach. And I know that, you know, it's there's no question the pressure's in that in that building, maybe like no other place in the country. But coach, you've coached out in the Pac-12, you've coached in other conferences, you coached down, as you said, down at the University of Miami, you won national championships down there. 65 guys were drafted this past weekend from the Southeastern Conference. What makes that conference so special compared to every other conference in the country. You know, it's, it, you know, great players want to play with great players, Dan. You know that. And great players want to compete at the highest level. And nothing against the other conferences. There's good football in the other conferences. But it just so happens that the Southeastern Conference has grown that the, the top players want to come play. We know that. And, again, there's very, very great recruiting areas. Louisiana is a great recruiting area. We, and, uh, you know, and you go anywhere around the South, a lot of players are getting drafted. So, and combine that with some of the great coaches. You know, Coach Saban's in the SEC. You have some great coaches in the SEC, some great assistant coaches. You get coached and you get developed. And plus, on Saturday night in Death Valley, there's not another place in the world to play football, man. Let's go play 60, dude. I love you, man. I mean, hey, I'm talking, by the way, because of you, I've become friends with your boy, The Rock. And I love that. Hey man, he, me and him talk back and forth, and I, I've really, I didn't know he knew anything about me. He goes, Coach Ogeron made us all know who you guys were, you and Jerome, and all that. And I was like, Holy cow, man! And like, he knew all my stats and everything. And Coach, how important is that for you to tell guys about the history and about what LSU football is all about? And I mean, carrying a lineage, John. How important is that to you? That is important, you know. The, the young men want that today, just just like when Russell Maryland came in and watched your film, Cortez Kennedy watched you and Jerome Brown. Still, look at look at LSU. We have think about this: we have more wide receivers drafted than anybody in college football. If you want to be a wide receiver, come come be the next Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, on and on and on. And plus, we got some great guys on our team right now. So, you know the the amount of players in the NFL from LSU is at a high number, and they're all doing well in the NFL. Coach, i got to show you something real quick here. Let me take this off my um, my uh, my mantelpiece here. I want to show you this because, you know, a guy like yourself who owns a couple national championship rings, good I want to show you just a few of them right there, too. Way to go, man. Hey, 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 <laughs> hey, elite, man. And you know what? Hey, Dan, think about the hard work going into that, man. Think about your teammates. Oh. Think about your coaches. Think about the sweat that goes into all that. Those are the Man. great memories. Man, hours and hours of being together when the lights aren't on 
And it's all about, like you said, coach, us in the pits, us in the team meeting rooms, and us getting it all done. Dude, I love you so much, man. I am a gigantic LSU fan, and I'm going to do something blasphemy here instead of saying go Canes. I'm going to say go Tigers. Coach, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Daddy. Go Tigers. Yeah, that is Ed Ogeron there. <laughs> God, I love Coach Joe. He's such a gigantic fan, too. You know, he introduced me to The Rock. He was really great and just spectacular. Now I want to bring on our friend Sean McManus. I mean, okay, now, so know this. The chairman of, C the chairman of CBS Sports, I mean, so I, 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 we're so proud to have you on here, Sean. And I kept telling people yesterday about our history, your dad and all. It's so great to have you on. And, Sean, we talked about this in the past on how the Internet, streaming, YouTube. I saw Amazon is going to be the exclusive home for the NFL in 2022. How important is it for CBS now and their broadcasting when it comes to social media, when it comes to streaming, when it comes to YouTube? How are you implementing all that? You know, it's a um, it's a really good question, Dan. Um, we like to think that if you want to watch an event that CBS Sports is carrying, that you can watch it on any device. And I think that generally is true. If you want to stream NFL football um, and not have a cable box or a cable subscription, you can do so on Paramount+. Plus. If you want to watch the PGA Tour, you can do it on cbssports.com or on Paramount+. Plus. Um, we just uh, we believe firmly in the, the power of broadcast television and the importance of the traditional pay TV bundle. But we also want to make sure that you can see our events any way you want to. And I think we've been pretty forward thinking in that area. And the new NFL deal, we have expanded Paramount Plus rights. Um, we have more interactive rights that we can exploit. So, you know, um, uh, there's, there's still something to be said about a show that's on CBS or NBC or ABC or even ESPN now since they're in so many homes. But broadcast television, the three networks, I'll put Fox in there too to make it four networks. Uh, there's a certain still advantage of being on that hugely wide platform, which is why the NFL just did a new 11-year deal uh, renewing both uh, renewing Fox, NBC, ABC, and CBS on over-the-air distribution of their biggest games. You know, you know, you know, Sean. You and I have talked about this in the past. That you know, I, I I'm I have my phone in my hand, my laptop I'm in front of all the time. I'm rarely in front of a television. I'm rarely in front of my radio in my car any longer. And this is really my walking office here now. How important is that just to get the little sound bites? Because I see the CBS sound bites all over the internet now. And the way that you guys have implemented that, I'm wondering, monetizing all of that, is it still in the infant stages? I'm figuring it out still as we're all still trying to figure out the internet? Yeah, we are trying to figure out how to generate uh, significant revenue on digital platforms. The, the bulk of our revenue comes from traditional broadcast media. Um, you know, on, on the Super Bowl, we're selling units for five and a half million dollars, as an example. Um, you know, that's not going to be duplicated in digital media for a, for a long time. But we're figuring out ways like we just bought the um, um, champions, the UEFA Champions League. Uh, we did our the semifinals uh, this week. Uh, the only place to watch that um, is on CBS Sports 
CBS Sports Network or on Paramount Plus. So we're buying exclusivity. All, hundreds of games are available only on Paramount Plus so that you can drive subscription and drive usage and drive monthly average users on Paramount Plus. And the phone, listen, I mean, um, if you want to watch a CBS game, NFL game on your phone, you can do it. We have it on there. If you want to watch a PGA Tour event, uh, you can do it. You can watch the Masters on your phone. So we're trying to, Dan, kind of continue to generate enormous dollars on traditional broadcast television while also making our signal available elsewhere and doing things like you talk about, social media. I mean, our handles are getting more and more usage. Um, you know, we're much more involved on Instagram and, um, and Twitter and Facebook and all the different platforms out there. Uh, there's not a lot of money being made on those yet, but the exposure and the um, the reaching of a new and a younger, more diverse audience is one of the reasons why we're doing that. Sean, I just had Ed Ogeron on and I asked him what the challenges were for him last year with COVID-19. And he was like this. He's like, you know, I had parents calling me constantly. I had administrators asking me, you know, are the protocols safe with Southeastern Conference? Uh, the CDC was a little bit inconsistent in how they were telling us to handle the mask. So parents were constantly calling him as a network and as the head of the network, Sean, what challenges did you have last year getting through say the SEC season or the NFL season? You know, first and foremost, the uh, the safety and well-being of our employees was paramount for us. We were actually the first network to come on with uh, major sports coverage during the pandemic with 11 straight golf tournaments starting in June of last year. Um, very complicated, twice the amount of mobile units to provide for social distancing. Um, announcers um, uh, commentating from Orlando instead of on site. We had Nick Faldo and Ian Baker Finch and Frank Navalo literally in a studio in Orlando calling golf tournaments from Texas or South Carolina. Uh, Jim Nance, uh, literally uh, on the golf events we did during this period, uh, was the only person in his tower. He literally turned on the camera and turned off the camera every morning and every night as he arrived and as he left. Uh, when we got into football, uh, we did thousands of tests for people. Again, we had more mobile units for social distancing, and we were incredibly knock on wood lucky. I, I, lucky probably isn't the word. We were blessed with the fact that we have had no interruption for any of our game coverage, mostly because we were so... Uh, diligent about people following the guidelines. Everybody got tested when they arrived on site. They couldn't go to the trucks or the announce booth until their test came back negative. If they were there for more than four days, they were tested again. Uh, down in Augusta, we had 600 people or so working. All of them were tested also. Um, so it's been difficult and it's been expensive but I think our system is in place and much like the NFL or some of the other properties figured out a way to play their game safely. We figured out a way to produce events in a safe way, but it's, um, I wouldn't want to go through it again. I'll tell you that. Dan. Coach, what, or um, Sean, what, what had, what gave you more obstacles, I should say, when it came to dealing with the college game, the SEC and the NFL game, how much did the government get involved in it? How much did you rely on the government? I would think that because of the colleges, I mean, you're talking about state, uh, state legislatures, you're talking about more government entities being involved because a lot of that state money, then you're talking about NFL, it's a private business. I mean, 
Were, were they two different worlds on how you had to maneuver through getting through the broadcast year for both the SEC and also for the NFL? It's a really good question. We had to um, adhere to both. I mean, the NFL had certain regulations, uh, like not having our reporters who are normally on the field, on the field. They were in the stands. Um, they didn't allow as many um, portable um, handheld cameras on the field as before. They had their own testing policy that they they instituted. They had their own social distancing and where you can go and where you can't go. And in different cities, um, the local municipalities or the state, um, state governments had uh, regulations also that we had to live with. So in certain states, New York being one, you know, if you came back in from another a particular another state, you had to be tested. Our people had to be tested when they came back to New York. We got some dispensation from the state of New York uh, because we were traveling so many people in and out of the city and in and out of the state of New York that we got some dispensation with respect to the testing. But we had to deal with both groups and we had to deal with the SEC when we did their games. They had their own protocols and procedures. So it really was keeping an ear out, keeping an ear open, I should say, and really trying to make sure that we were adhering to all the different regulations, many of which were different depending on what state we went to. Sean, do you, do you expect to see full houses in the SEC and in the NFL this coming fall? You know, I'm optimistic. The NFL seems to be, I, I don't know if they've, um, if they've made any decisions. I think probably not. But I know Roger has referenced the fact that it would be great to have full houses. I'm hoping so. I hope people keep getting vaccinated. Um, I hope people keep, um, you know, paying attention to the protocols. But, you know, the way things are going, I'm optimistic. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I'm pretty optimistic that we're going to have a lot of fans in the stands at all sporting events this fall. You know, um, this draft, Sean, I, 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 I remember being drafted years ago in 1987. And, you know, you pick the phone up and you're like, hey, Dan, you've been drafted by the Buccaneers. I'm like, great. Okay. Now, <laughs> 12 million people tune in for the opening night. You had 160,000 people in the plaza in Cleveland. They're now like, you know, bidding on cities who can host these draft parties. Sean, how shocked are you on how – this thing, I mean, even next week, the NFL schedule being released is now like becoming a thing. Before it was just on the internet or was this in a newspaper? Here's here, here's the new schedules. Here you go for next the upcoming year. I mean, the NFL has really mastered, haven't they? The non-football hitting part of their year with these great events. I mean, it's amazing how it's grown. Yeah, they've done so unlike any other sport, Dan. I mean, the NFL is 365 days a year. It's not just September through the first week in February. Uh, the draft, they've done a masterful job on the draft. And I'll give credit to the broadcasters, whether it's ESPN um, or ABC or Fox. They've done an incredible job making this a great television property. And it's not because so much that, um, you know, Zach Wilson gets... Uh, you know, drafted by the Jets. It's the story that they develop about Zach Wilson and his family or Trevor Lawrence and his family or uh, an offensive lineman who you may not have heard of. You know, they weave in these personal stories that you end up really rooting for these people and you want to see where they go in the draft. Combine that with the hardcore fan who is now following the draft so much much more closely, partially because of social media and all the information that's out there. But it's become a 
very, very attractive television property. And yeah, I'm surprised it is. Listen, I'm, I'm, not, I'm surprised that uh, pro days become um, primetime specials on ESPN. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Okay. Now I'm going to end this with this. I call you the Willy Wonka of sports broadcasting because you set up the Masters, you set up the SEC, you have the Super Bowl, you have the National Football League, and I've asked you this question. You refuse to answer it. Which one you like covering the most? I happen to think it might be the Masters because that could be your favorite event. But, I mean, of all these events, Sean, for our audience out there, which one do you get the most pleasure at each year when it comes to putting that event on? You're going to hate my answer, and you know what's coming. Um, it's like asking me to choose between my two children. I can't do it. And I'm in the truck at Augusta, and I'm walking around Amen Corner. There's no place in the world I want to be more than that. Uh, when I'm producing, helping to produce the Super Bowl, and I'm in the truck, and 115 million people are watching, that's what I love. When I'm at the Final Four, and we have a game like we did in the national semifinal last year, so, I mean, I just, um, I love them all. I really do. Um, the Masters is different than any other event. I'll say that. But I get, you know, I get the same kind of thrill at the Final Four or the Super Bowl. I just, um, it's, I can't choose between them. If you ask me that question during Masters week, I would probably <laughs> say the Masters. And if you ask me on Super Bowl Sunday when I wake up, I'm going to say the Super Bowl. Okay, fine. Well, then I'll ask you this one. How, how many more years are we doing this? You and me? No, how many more? No, no, I know you and me are good forever. I'm talking how many years are you going to be the man that looks at all the – goes like this and does the Caesar. Up, no, up, no. How many more years are we going to be there at CBS? You know, I've got a job that most people would do in retirement for free. Uh, <laughs> I work hard. I have a lot of pressure like we all do, but I have the greatest job in the world. And what else would I do? I mean, I would probably still watch sports on television, which I get to do now for my living. And I get to deal with these great events and I deal with people like Jim Nance and Tony Romo and Bill Raftery and Greg Gumbel. I mean, I, I foresee myself doing it for many, many more years. I hope my bosses agree with that. But if you were to ask me, I would say for many, many more years. I just love what I'm doing and I love our properties and I love the people I deal with, whether it's Fred Ridley in Augusta National or Mark Emmert or Roger Goodell or Jay Monahan or Seth Waugh. I mean, I love all these guys. They're partners and they're friends. What else would I do that would be this much fun other than be on your show? <laughs> Finally here, I'm going to give you a situation and a scenario. So I'm 17 years old, Sean, and Doc Santanella was a big Maryland guy, and he was trying to recruit me there. And Doc goes, hey, why don't you meet me for lunch in Wilton, Connecticut? I go down to Wilton. We're sitting there. All of a sudden, I go, holy, you know what? That's Jim McKay. What the hell is that? And I'm sitting there, and I walk up. I go, I'm sitting down, and, you know, Doc, because I'm a big mouth, Doc goes like this. He's like, well, say something. I'm going, spanning the globe, dude. I mean, <laughs> he just goes like this to me. He goes, yes, sir. Okay, Doc told me. So that weekend, we went fishing on this stocked pond. And I'll never forget my first high school game. Your dad came back from, God, God, someplace with a um, wide world of sports. 
there's my uncle, Andy Robostelli, there's Doc Santanella, and there's Jim McKay standing at my Catholic high game. And I'm standing here going like this. We're playing, I think, Fairfield Prep. And so I'm my going like, mater. yeah, you're alma mater. And I think that's probably why. And I'm sitting there going like this. I got these three guys at my football game. If I told anybody that story, it wouldn't believe it. Unbelievable. Sean, our friendship forever. Thank you so much, my All friend. All right, Dan. Good luck with good luck with the show, man. Thank you very much. Sean okay. McManus, the chairman of CBS Sports. Oh, yeah. Just just great memories, man. Just absolute great memories. I told you his dad was really part of the whole thing that ended up getting me involved in broadcasting. All right, we'll take a quick timeout. You keep it right here on the National Football Show. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history. Jody Mack. The legendary sports talker joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Told you we would be packed. Your boy Dan Cilio right here on the National Football Show. Great catching up with Sean McManus and also Ed Ogeron. By the way, don't forget next Wednesday. I don't know if you saw the King on with us earlier, King Krause. He's going to be giving away um, a bunch of jerseys next Wednesday when the National Football League schedule drops. And we're going to be broadcasting till midnight going over because I, I will tell you one thing about the schedule. I used to not really look at it like that, but there's no question that the schedule 
for these teams pretty much set up whether or not you're going to be successful or not for the upcoming NFL year. And these schedules now really dictate it that way because, look, you always know this about the about the schedule. You may not know about how the NFL does it. If you have a really great year, dude, you're going to get an absolute incredibly difficult schedule. If you have a sorry-ass year, they're going to give you as much latitude. This is what makes the NFL so different compared to every other sport. And that is this. Look, if you're sorry, the NFL is going to give you every opportunity to lift yourself out of being sorry. They're going to – watch. You finish down at the lower end of the NFL, you know what they're going to do? They're going to give you a weak schedule, and they're going to give you high draft choices to try to improve your football team. And what does that do? That keeps your fans engaged. That keeps the guys that buy the hats and the jerseys. And it makes people do this. Well, we're going to get better. And sometimes it may be fool's gold. You know, you see a team have a soft-ass schedule who had a sorry-ass year the year before. They end up going 10-6 and six or 9-7. and seven. You're like, is that team really that good? Still, what it does is it gives that team some at least hope that you're getting better because the league doesn't – the league's not like baseball or like the NBA. If you're like – you know, they have that like ping pong ball, ping pong ball draft. Okay. The, the odds are if you're a sorry ass team, you get more ping pong balls. And you know what? It's, you know, you get an opportunity unless the card's cold, Patrick Ewing. How you doing, right? Okay. And unless it's any of that kind of stuff, the NFL wants you to try to get better. These other leagues, man, how many times have we seen uh, like cellar dwellers just stay there for decades? This team, look at the Knicks. The Knicks stink. They stink. They're better this year. Okay. But James Dolan owns the damn, he owns the Knicks. That thing's been sorry for like 22, 23 years he's owned it. Now, this is why when you look at guys like Daniel Snyder that own the, that own the Washington team thing, look what he does. Look, NFC East sucks. They still win the division. Daniel Snyder's been a horrible owner. Horrible. Horrible owner. And the National Football League ends up giving him the option so that he can buy out his minority partners so that he can own the team, even though there's been creeps inside that organization. That whole cheerleader, cheerleader gate thing that went on that the Washington Post ended up uh, printing a story, they made that thing go away, didn't they? That's all under Daniel Snyder's watch. Then the whole Bruce Allen, he's now suing Bruce Allen, the former president of the organization. You're like this, dude, you have been a train wreck of an owner. There's actually like conversations that if you walk inside the building and you look at Daniel Snyder in the face, he fires you. And this guy's like, like Caesar or something when he walks around. The guy's got a creepy environment in Washington. And Ron Rivera being in that building is trying to clean it up. The reason why... The Washington team thing, or the team formerly known as, I'll use a Prince reference, the team formerly known as the Skins. Um, the reason why they've sucked is because they've not had leadership at the coaching position. The front office guy, when you got owners, Eagles, making draft choices for you, you got a problem with the guy up top. I don't want my owner around draft day. Game day. He Go sit in your box, dude. Go sit. That's what Bob Kraft does. And for the record, too, how does a stiff like Jerry Jones 
How does he have a gold jacket and Bob Kraft doesn't? Think of that for a minute. Just think of that. Oh, so wait a minute. You know when Bob Kraft bought the team from the Sullivan family? He got to a Super Bowl without Belichick. He got to a Super Bowl with Parcells, and Belichick was a special assistant coach. He had just gotten fired from Cleveland. Bill hired him on as a special assistant. He wasn't the D.C. of that team, that Drew Bledsoe team that got rocked in the Super Bowl by the Packers. He wasn't the D.C. Bill just liked him and knows that he's a great coach. So right there, look at that. Kraft wins an AFC championship. There's one ring. Then the Brady run starts. All right? Then the Brady run, man. This guy's been to 10 Super Bowls. He's got 10 AFC title games. He's got six championship rings. He's not in the Hall of Fame, but Jerry is? Whoa. Oh, okay. Maybe it's over the massage thing last year. But really, that could be? You got an owner in Indianapolis that got caught with $35,000 in Ursay in his front in the front seat of his car with open pill bottles of oxycodone. No one said anything. Are you kidding me? How is Bob Kraft not in the, in the Football Hall of Fame? How's he not in Canton? You get dumb owners. But you know the greatest thing about Kraft? Kraft sits in his box with his kids. Never get in the way of Belichick. They never – They never. only time they meddled was when. When did they get in the way? Deflate gate, which was dumb and stupid. Get, get this. Deflate gate and spy gate had no bearing in any way whatsoever on the success of the Patriots. Had nothing. However, they were dumb and they did it. Hey, I'll give you a little insight. Jimmy used to do that stuff too. It's called gamesmanship. It's like stealing signs. <laughs> Not the Astros way with devices on the players. Not any of that, but, I mean, it's gamesmanship. Well, you don't think there's guys sitting in the booth like this with binoculars trying to figure out signs and trying to contact the offense and defensive coaches. You don't think they're doing that during the game? Or there's guys on the sidelines watching to see if you're 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 – singling in a defense if you're trying to go to a banjo coverage or if you're trying to go to a man coverage. You don't think people are doing that? It's like, it's like the opposing team in baseball looking going like this, curveball, curveball. It's part of the game. But when Kraft and Belichick and all them guys got in trouble, Kraft rolled in it and said, Bill, why? It cost me $500,000 and it cost me draft choices. He, he publicly said that it was stupid. Okay, the, the lead, latest thing here with the Bengal thing, they were like filming a documentary. They said, yeah, okay, whatever, sure. <laughs> yeah, okay, and I got some land in South Florida for you. It's in the glades. may not be a sturdy land, but, you know, I could try to get a pontoon boat on it. I don't know about putting a house there, but, hey, you know what? Maybe we could put like a pontoon boat house thing there. I don't know. So, I mean – Right? Some owners just know how to know their role. Some owners can't help themselves. They just can't help themselves. Like Stephen Ross of the of, of the Dolphins. Man, I can't believe they've let Chris Greer and Brian Jordan, the head coach and GM, Chris Greer. I can't believe they've left them alone. And they've left them alone. And you know what? They're building something really great in Miami. 
They are. Stephen Stephen Ross is actually has really stepped back and he's allowed them to try to build an organization in there and has tried to build stability. And those guys are doing a good job, man. There's a formula. There's a rhythm. There's a reason. There's a way of doing business and they're doing it. And I, I just tell you, I like what they're doing in Miami. It's because the owners step back. Now look at, like I said, to use Philadelphia, the owner's still in the mix. You see, did you see the owner? You see Laurie walking around the draft room? Who we picking? Who we pick? What do you care? What, 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 what do you really care who you're picking? Who do you care? You hired a coach, a GM, and everybody in the room to evaluate that. What do you care who they draft? Is it because you're trying to fool your fans? Well, we got to get a star player. You know, the reason why they get the wide receiver from Alabama, because they let a star quarterback go. So you, what you do, you, you, you sign the Heisman Trophy winner. And I've said this to you, and I'll say it again. I don't hate the kid. I do not hate the kid. He may go come into – Devontae may come into Philadelphia and turn out to be the greatest wide receiver we've ever seen, and he may be the best wide receiver they've ever had. But like I said to you about Jalen Hurts, we'll find out if that guy is the guy and he's going to be the person that can carry that team to a Super Bowl. We'll know after week eight. We'll know. Now, do you want to give him the full year? You think Eagle fans are going to give him the full year? You think the Eagles will give him the full year? And I say this to you because I don't think the Cowboys improved on football, their football team this offseason. I think the Cowboys are around a C. I'll tell you the team that I think is going to continue to improve. I think it's Washington. Daniel Jones in New York is garbage. That guy's garbage. I don't see anything where I go like, hey, I'll tell you this. Compared to Tua in Miami, Tua is Aaron Rodgers. See, when I see Tua, I go like this. Okay. I don't know. Maybe still, you know, I'm still kind of questioning it. When I see Daniel Jones, guy's a turnover machine. I do this. I don't know. I don't know. And then you got Dave Gettleman going, you know, we're going to put as many people around him as we possibly can. I think that football team's got a lot of talent, but I think they got a sorry-ass quarterback that's playing the position. I don't think they really have the guy, okay? I really don't think they have the guy at the quarterback spot. So that division, once again, this coming year, now the schedule is going to be a tad bit softer because everybody in that division blew. What they're going to do, though, is this. It's still going to be competitive. No one's going to run away with that division this year. Look at the quarterbacks. Dak, probably the best. I would say is the best. Okay, then you got Jalen. And I'm not saying he sucks. I'm going like this. I don't know. Then you got in Washington. I mean, is it Ryan Fitzpatrick or who? I don't know. Or or like that walk-on guy. I don't I don't I don't know. Hinky, whatever his name is. Okay, right? And you got Jones. It's the worst division in football because they have the worst collection of quarterbacks in the division or in the conference. So that thing's gonna be competitive. If you're the if you're the Eagles and you're floating around week eight and you're tied for the lead. And your quarterback's not getting it done. Do you call San Francisco up and go, 
how you feel about trading Jimmy Garoppolo just to try to get through and win yourself a division title? Would you think the Eagles would go down that? Howie's always on the phone talking to people when it comes to um, making deals. Do you maybe call down to Atlanta? How you doing down there with Matt Ryan? I still think they've got another year left before they end up moving him because there's $68 million of a salary cap hit with him if they end up moving him. So they're probably tied to him for two more years. So that's probably out. It's going to be a really interesting year coming up. There's so much news that's still going to play out because how is this weekend going to go through with Aaron Rodgers? Is there going to be new noise on Monday? By the way, speaking of that, we got Terry Bradshaw with us. Terry was taping all week long. He's so sorry he didn't join us last week. So he's going to try to hit us up. That'll be on Monday. And also, we're trying to effort our friend Rich McKay, the president of the Atlanta Falcons. You make sure you have yourself a great weekend. We will catch you Monday going 4 to 6 Eastern time. And the only place that you get your football fill is right here on the National Football Show.